Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, what would you say left the biggest impression on you from all the discussion during the fuel ethanol conference yesterday in or the workshop in Minneapolis? Well, Mark, I think the biggest takeaway for me is is there's a, a general sense of optimism and uh, just a really good good vibe and good energy in the industry right now. We've had a couple of significant uh, policy and regulatory decisions go our way in, in recent months. Um, the you know marketplace dynamics, supply demand balance um, is all in pretty good shape. Uh, and beyond that, there's some really exciting opportunities about future growth. Uh, for the industry moving forward, whether we're talking about sustainable aviation fuel, carbon capture and sequestration, um, or other new and emerging technologies, there's just a really, uh, you know, good sense of optimism about uh, what the future holds for our industry at a time when when things have come together pretty well uh, for this summer. So some reasons to be optimistic with that outlook for the remainder of 2022, at least, Jeff, uh, are, are there definitely more positives, the negatives, or what would be potential hurdles for biofuels for the rest of this year anyway? Well, we're, we're uh, again, pleased that we're able to, to continue selling E15 through this summer. Uh, we were able to secure an emergency waiver that would, or that, that is enabling retailers to sell E15 through the remaining summer months this year. We also saw the, the final RVOs published recently for 2022, and, and those are very strong volumes, and we think they're going to really help push uh, uh, ethanol and, and other biofuels to that next level of, of demand and, and usage this year. Um, so, we, you know, we think the remainder of this year is, is uh, you know, we're pretty bullish on, on what's happening in the marketplace and, and with policy. Uh, and then we, you know, and then we got to start looking further down the road at what happens with the renewable fuel standard in 2023 and beyond, uh, but all signals for this year point to a pretty good year shaping up uh, for the ethanol industry. Reports that uh, a bill that, among other things, would create a pathway for year-round E15 could be heard on the House floor tomorrow. What can you tell us on that front? Yeah, that's right. Uh, there is a, a vote scheduled tomorrow night uh, in the House on a bill that includes a couple of major priorities for us. And the first one is a permanent legislative fix for the RVP barrier that we've had for, for E15. Um, this is legislative language that would once and for all fix that or remove that hurdle uh, that we've had to E15 sales in the summertime. Uh, that's been something we've been trying to get uh, through Congress for, for many years. Uh, and this is one of the best opportunities we've we've had so far. Uh, in addition to that RVP fix, there's $200 million in additional funding for higher blends infrastructure, uh, you know, uh, grants that would help offset the cost of installing dispensers and, and tanks and other infrastructure necessary to distribute higher blends of ethanol like E15 all the way up to E85. So those two provisions in this bill um, we support very strongly, and, and we're encouraging uh, our membership and our industry and, and supporters of renewable fuels to reach out to their members of Congress really here in the next 12 hours and encourage them to vote yes uh, on this bill. It's, it's H.R. 7606, the Lower Food and Fuel Cost Act. Uh, we need a yes vote on that on that package to get it through the House and then and then. Uh, 
you know, then we move on to the Senate and see what we can get done over there. But it's overall a very good package for the ethanol industry. And, and again, in, include some things that we have been pushing for several years and, and happy to see that they're included in this package. In the first year of the Biden administration, I believe you and I talked a little bit about, you know, so much discussion surrounding electric vehicles and just not a lot of attention paid to biofuels. Do you feel like there, there's been a shift or it is starting to shift and, and not suggesting that the EV talk has gone away, but that there has been more attention on biofuels? Certainly the momentum you talked about at the beginning and some of what's taken place in 2022 would suggest that. Yeah, we're we're absolutely seeing progress in terms of how this administration views biofuels and, and ethanol specifically and, and the role that they see for renewable fuels moving forward. They are still very much focused on electrification and there's a lot of lot of attention being paid to electric vehicles and, and charging stations and, and a lot of funding being directed that way. Uh, but we have been pleasant you know, pleasantly surprised, I guess, to see an increased focus on renewable fuels. And, and we've seen the president himself come out and say some very favorable things about the benefits of, of renewable fuels. Uh, and we've seen the agencies, we've seen EPA and, and DOE and, of course, USDA uh, really embracing ethanol and other biofuels as a key component of the strategy to reduce carbon emissions and, and as a major part of the strategy to try and keep a lid on gas prices. You know, of course, we're seeing record gas prices across the U.S. right now, and this administration really seems to understand that when you increase the amount of renewable fuels that we're blending into our fuel supply, you are helping to contain or at least keep a lid on uh, these these record high prices. I mean, just imagine how much higher prices would be today if we didn't have 15 billion gallons of lower cost ethanol being added to the fuel supply. In the late 20 teens, there was a lot of talk about China's emission goals and trying to reduce emissions and, and some biofuel targets that, that the country had sort of proposed. That all sort of went away, though, didn't it, Jeff? I mean, are they kind of warming back up to that at all? What are we hearing? Well, yeah, I mean, things have gone, uh, I would say, kind of radio silent in, in China in terms of their plans with, with ethanol. Um, and it's it's always been on again, off again with uh, with with the Chinese policy around ethanol usage. Uh, we we did see, in it, as you mentioned, in 2018, 2019, what we felt like was a, a a firm commitment to increase ethanol usage and and move to E10 nationwide in China. They have since backed off of that commitment, and and today, you know, there isn't a whole lot of ethanol being used in in China, and it's not really clear what direction they're headed uh, in the future. Meanwhile, they continue to burn a whole lot of coal over there, um, and they are you know, increasing their, their uh, sales and, and use of electric vehicles, and, and we don't see how a coal-fired electric vehicle is, is really doing uh, their air quality or their environment any favors, and we wish they would have stuck with the plan on, on moving to E10. And so we, we continue the dialogue with, with China, um, you know, we obviously have some some significant trade barriers in that marketplace that make it very difficult for us to uh, to trade with with China on both ethanol and distillers grains. And we, you know, those those issues remain high high on our list of of uh, trade issues that we're trying to resolve. And 
uh, we continue to work with uh, USDA and USTR on those things. But you know, China is not not the bright opportunity today that we uh, we saw it as several years ago. Any other topics that were discussed at the workshop yesterday that you wanted to highlight today? Well, you know, while we're talking about China, I mean, w- while we've seen kind of uh, things moving backward in that marketplace, we have seen things really move the right direction in other markets, and we've actually seen very strong ex- export demand uh, for ethanol in recent months. And, and in fact, uh, the April numbers that were recently published showed a four-year high uh, of 185 million gallons of ethanol being exported in that month. And, and so we're seeing increases in shipments to places like Canada and Brazil is back in the market and, and South Korea and the Netherlands and, and just other markets are really increasing their use of U.S. ethanol. And it's not hard to understand why. I mean, the, the global uh, petroleum markets are, are really tight right now and, and, and countries around the world are looking for lower cost alternatives and available supplies. And so they're turning to the U.S. Uh, to send them some ethanol. And so we're, we're seeing some very positive developments in the export market outside of what's happening in China. And I, I just wanted to make sure we mentioned that. Does the industry at all take Canada for granted? I, I see those export numbers and they're they're always at the top. And is, is that a market that we can just count on for the next five to 10 years? Or what is the outlook with Canada? Well, I, I will say we, we we certainly don't take Canada for granted. They have been a phenomenal partner when it comes to ethanol trade, um, and, and they've been very steady and, and stable. I mean, it's it's the one market that we have been able to count on, kind of month after month, month after month, having very stable uh, demand and, and exports going to that nation. Uh, and, and we've got a partnership with Canada in terms of trying to grow biofuels usage across North America. They've got some very, uh, you know, I think, favorable policy and, and um, you know, very interesting policy. And, and, and one could argue they're, they're maybe a step or two ahead of us in terms of some of the things they're doing in terms of low carbon fuels policy. Um, so, yeah, Canada remains a very important market uh, and a very important partnership with the U.S. in terms of expanding global use of renewable fuels. And then there's that third leg of USMCA, Mexico. Are some of those same challenges that we've talked about before with with those who kind of control the fuel market in Mexico are making it difficult for U.S. biofuels? Yeah, we're we're still you know doing everything we can to uh, break into that market in in a larger way and and experiencing some challenges and and some hurdles. But again, we want to partner with Mexico uh, to increase the the you know this hemisphere's usage of of ethanol. Uh, and not just usage, the production as well. And we, we're, we you know, want to work with uh, the Mexican agriculture sector to help, uh, you know, help them with some lessons we've learned here in the U.S. and help them develop their own renewable fuels industry and, and make sure that we have, uh, you know, free and fair trade between both countries when it comes to renewable fuels and our co-products. And so we've got work to do there. That market is still very much dominated um, when it comes to you know, octane sources and, and oxygen, it's, I mean, MTBE is still used in Mexico. It's one of the, one of the last places on earth where you've got huge volumes of MTBE still being used. Uh, and we think ethanol could, could go a long way in reducing the use of that substance, which, which we know has been linked to groundwater contamination and, and human health concerns. And, and so we think there's some real 
strong reasons for Mexico to move away from MTBE and adopt ethanol as the replacement in its gasoline uh, for octane. 